I'm Melissa. I'm Jam. And I'm a chemist. And I'm not. And welcome to Chemistry for Your Life. The podcast helps you understand the chemistry of your everyday life. Okay, so this episode is sort of a follow-up on last week's re-release. Okay. We talked about how Brie requested a wedding chemistry episode, and we hadn't gotten to do it because we were in the middle of that smoke detector series. Right, right. Okay, so one of the things she suggested was maybe gemstone chemistry or, you know, gold chemistry. And I got really excited about the idea of gen gemstone chemistry. Okay. And actually I've been thinking about doing gemstone chemistry for a while, but sometimes inspiration just has to strike. And so Bree's request was that nice, that inspiration. Nice. And so Bree is one of our H bonders on Patreon. So she's one of our top tier supporters. Yes. And she comes to a lot of our events and we've, really sort of begun to have a friendship with her, which has been so cool. Yeah, she's super cool. She does a lot of artwork where she um, like animates different biochem stuff, which is really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, So we've just gotten to know her better and I wanted to do this for her. So shout out, Brie. Nice. Cheers to you, Brie. Congrats. Cheers. We love marriage. <laughs> yes. To our separate marriages. We're not married to each other. Yeah, and also the, the idea of it in a yeah, general sense. Yeah, it's just the best. I remember when we got married, someone sent us a, it was a shower curtain and they wrote marriage is the best. And I was like, oh, that's yeah. sweet. And now I think about that a lot. What I, what I like about that too, is that there's like a general, like obviously, yeah, things can go wrong and stuff like that. But I like, the, yeah. I like maintaining optimism Yeah. and deciding to just be that way. I felt yeah. the same way about having kids too. I've heard people like have sort of realism or even some pessimism about it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I just want to be an optimist about it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, before we get too into it too, I'll make an apology like you did a few episodes ago where oh, right. I've just got some junk, some, um, what, do, what do you call it? Some viral stuff going on? Something. Yeah. Something that's just, the biggest thing is just my nose keeps being stuffed up. So Congestion. Congestion. There we go. So it just makes my voice sound weird. And also at its worst, sometimes like maybe half of the episode, I'll start to say like this, you know, where you really <laughs> can't breathe. Yeah. And it'll actually be kind of funny, I'm sure. And for you guys, not for me, but. And normally, like we've said on the last episode that we did, we were cutting out the coughs and the sniffles and whatever. But because yeah. now we also have a YouTube channel that we have associated with our uh, recording. So our audio and our visual are coming together. We're doing a little bit less editing. So this is more of a live show type feel. Yep. So if Jam suddenly has to sneeze or cough. Yeah. I'll just lean away from the mic and make it as bearable as possible for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thanks. We appreciate that. Anytime. And hopefully I don't get whatever you have. So stay on that side of the couch. I don't think you will. I think a, <laughs> a kid touching everything I do and yeah. all the germ swapping that happens between parents and kids, I think it's avoidable between you and I. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so. uh, okay. So here's a fun thing about this episode. I'm going to start with a little bit of a teaser. Okay. And then- Move back, move away from it, and then we'll circle back. Okay. So do you remember in the vanilla episode where we talked about how true vanilla extract was better because it's less pure? I do remember this, and, I, and I've and i used vanilla extract in some of the baking I've been doing lately. Mm -hmm. Like almost every muffin recipe. Everything. <laughs> requires it mm -hmm. or, you know, recommends it or whatever. And I have imitation stuff because it's cheaper. Yeah. Of course. And we talked about that. So I've thought about that episode multiple mm -hmm. times because of that. So the imitation stuff, the fake vanilla extract, which some people call impure or not pure, is 
is actually very pure of one compound, primarily vanillin. Right. And the impure, quote unquote, the actual stuff is more impure. The um, natural extract that comes from the vanilla bean is less pure, which gives it more dimension flavor. It still has that vanillin in it, but it also has a lot of other things that give it a more rich flavor. Right. More dimension in that. Okay, well, actually the same thing is true with gemstones. Gemstones are beautiful and look the way they do because of impurities. Okay. And I just think that that's a beautiful theme that we're starting to see is sometimes we think of impurities as bad, but actually they give characteristics and traits to things that are good. Right, right. And there's probably things, I feel like there's a metaphor in there. Like there's things we don't like about ourselves, but maybe just because that is true, that doesn't make us any worse. Maybe right. they make us better. Right. And it makes us unique. Yeah. Which is nice. It would be a bummer if everyone was the same. Yeah, that would be. It'd be so boring. A bummer. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. What's tough though, too, of course, applying this to gemstones is like always a conversation about, yeah, but do the naturally occurring things really make them where we should pay pay that much for them, (laughs) which makes it a little bit more complicated. But I do love the, like the, I'm glad you reminded me about the vanilla thing Yeah, because that was really cool to learn. And also all those other flavors are super interesting. Mm -hmm. So yeah, anyway. Well, also I'll say I am a believer in lab created gemstones. I'm not going to talk about how labs create gemstones today, but they're the same chemically. And so it's fine. (laughs) Yeah. And I believe in them. And my my engagement ring actually was not very expensive because it was a lab-created gemstone. And I proudly support that because the people in the labs are my people. They're right. other scientists. So yeah. <laughs> I'm here for that. Okay, so let's get into the chemistry behind it and the okay. chemistry lesson. And before I do, I do I want to give a shout-out to Compound Chem, or sometimes it's called Compound Interest, but it's a website where he makes cool little infographics about different types of chemistry and then give some background on it. Nice. And both the Royal Society of Chemistry and the Chemistry and Engineering News Magazine, which are put out by the, you know, the American Chemical Society. Well, Chemistry and Engineering News is put out by American Chemical Society. And then the Royal Society of Chemistry also puts out a similar magazine called Mm -hmm. Chemistry World. But both of those organizations have supported this and posted things with a link to the compound interest or a link to his website. And they're usually very sound. Okay. I don't typically use that as my primary resource for anything because I like to get other primary resources. But in this case, both the American chemical society and the Royal society of chemistry had linked to his work. And so that is actually the primary two of his infographics are some of the primary sources I used. Okay on this episode. And whenever I don't primarily rely on peer review journals, I always like to shout that out. So, yeah. And thank the person who did this. I think his name is Andy for making such awesome infographics. They're really good. If you're ever bored, go check out that website. I really <laughs> like it. I think we also follow him on Twitter. He's really good. Yeah, I think we do too. So just wanted to shout that out. Um, but let's get into the chemistry. So gemstones are essentially salts. Okay. And salts in chemistry are usually, you know, it's something that has this ionic bond, Mm -hmm. which means that one ion, one atom has given up electrons, making it positive, and another has gained extra electrons, making it negative, and then they are attracted to each other similar to magnets. The negative and the positive bring them together. Okay. 
One thing I didn't think about before we started recording is I use my hand so much to to visualize while we're talking, uh, and now people can see it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a huge benefit. <laughs> I never thought about that. Okay, <laughs> I was doing. I was for those of you who are listening. I was I was putting a negative and a positive, like one fist and the other, and bringing them together. And I do that a lot, but nobody could see it for the longest time. <laughs> so. Um, for example, aluminum oxide is a really common mineral and it has aluminum, which has lost three electrons. And usually there are two of those. So aluminum is usually three plus, And if you have two of them, there are six electrons missing from those two uh, aluminum atoms. Okay. And then what they'll bind to is something with a negative charge, with had, which has extra electrons. And so in the case of aluminum oxide, oxygen tends to gain two electrons to get it to a relatively full octet, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So then you'll get three oxygens with two negative charge. So there again, we have six negative. Okay. So two aluminum, three plus, three oxygen, two negative is six pluses and six minuses. And they come together. Got it. Okay. And... I think we tend to think, oh, there's two that come together and that's one little unit. And then there's a bunch of units like that. But really what happens, and we've talked about this before in salt and other crystals, is there's what's called a lattice structure. Mm. Now, I like to imagine myself shrinking down to the size of the atoms. And it's sort of this repeating pattern that goes on and on as far as the eye can see. And it reminds me of scaffolding. You know, scaffolding is this three-dimensional structure, but it's very repetitive. Right. And people use scaffolding when they're working on buildings. Um, but that's the, the best way I can think of the lattice structure is it's like a scaffold. It just has these repeating units of atoms. Yeah. You know, as far as I can see, and there's positives and negatives, and they're they're bound to each other and making this nice, really strongly bound together structure. Nice. Okay. So that's what's going on sort of at the molecular level of minerals like aluminum oxide. But actually aluminum oxide is colorless. And mm. a lot of minerals are just in their natural state. Sorry, knocking <laughs> my mic around, readjusting. A lot of minerals are just in their natural state. They have this colorless, um, no light is absorbed. So something okay. that has color, if it does have color, when the light hits it, Either the light is absorbed or the light is allowed to pass through or be reflected back. Okay. And what we see is any of the light that's not absorbed. Okay. Right? Right. So in this case, in colorless stones, the light's not absorbed. It just passes through or gets reflected. And the right wavelength isn't there for that visible light to be absorbed. Okay. And the way I like to think of light being absorbed, um, what really happens is... When light hits a molecule or a, a set of atoms, or like in this case, our gemstones, if the light can be absorbed, there basically has to be this exact right amount of light that can be absorbed. And what will happen is it brings the electron and excites it up to a higher level. That's yeah. what happens when light is absorbed. And it happens in specific sizes of light. So if that exact right size of light is not present, mm -hmm. then it won't get absorbed. So if you, either if you don't have the exact right size of light or if there's no, um, you know, that, that exact right size isn't in the visible region. Okay. And we talked about that with acetate. 
Is it acetate that a lot of glasses are made out of? Oh, oh, I don't know. Whatever glasses are made of, I remember we had a whole conversation where it looks like they're clear. Yeah. Whenever glasses aren't made of glass, they're made of like a polymer, plasticky type thing. Right. And they look like they're clear to us, but if they actually absorb all UV light. So if you were to look from a UV perspective, they look dark. Right. So their right. exact right size of light or wavelength of light is in the invisible region, right. <laughs> not the visible region. But if like something is totally opaque, you know, that's because it can't pass through in the visible region. Got it. Right, right. Yes. Okay. So in the case of gemstones, the colorless ones, they don't have that exact right wavelength is not in the visible region. So nothing in them can absorb the light in the visible region. They yeah. may be absorbing it in other regions. We just don't know. We can't, we don't have that type of vision. Right. Um, and my analogy is like on rungs of a ladder, how it has to be just like, just exactly. You can't, you can't miss the rung. Right. If you want to keep climbing up. And the same thing is true when you absorb light, you have to get the exact, <laughs> you can't miss the rung. Their light has to get you right up to that level. You can't go above it and you can't go below it. That makes total sense. Yeah, that's perfect. So that doesn't exist in colorless stones. But in stones that are colored, somehow there is something present in the stone that makes it to where there's a visible light can be absorbed. Okay. So in this case, often transition metals have a lot of extra rungs. So if you take one of the aluminums out and replace it with an impurity of another type of metal, for example, in the aluminum oxide, it could go from colorless to being colorful. Okay. So because when you take out, we'll say aluminum oxide, you take it out and you add in chromium, a chromium ion instead of an aluminum ion. Uh-huh. Um, then you've added in a few extra rungs and when the visible light passes through, Instead of being colorless, it would be red. Okay. So aluminum oxide is the base mineral for rubies and sapphires. But if you have chromium in the rubies, chromium impurities, it makes rubies okay. in the aluminum oxide. If you have titanium and iron impurities in the aluminum oxide, that's a sapphire. Okay. So they're the same base mineral. But depending on what transition metal you add in and what extra little shelves it brings with it, it can totally change the light that's capable of being absorbed and therefore change the color of the gemstone. Interesting. So if you just look up what's the chemical structure of rubies or of sapphires, both will come back with aluminum oxide, but just with the little asterisk that the impurities are chromium in one or titanium and iron in the other. Dang, that is not at all what I expected. What did you expect? I don't know. I mean, I guess I assumed that that it would be a totally different like structure in terms of one mm -hmm. of the key elements making up the crystal uh, yeah. lattice would be different. You know what I mean? Some of them have different structures. That's true. Yeah. But usually the impurities are the things that are giving it colors. A lot of um, the minerals in their basic state don't have color and impurities are what give them color. Interesting. And that was the compound interest that I shouted out. You can go look at what the base structure is and what impurities give it the color. Wow. I know. It's just cool that the impurities, like I kind of, I guess expected not knowing a lot about gems in general, but like 
that the impurities might have something to do with like maybe some glimmeriness of the effect mm-hmm. of light or something like that. But I didn't expect it to be all the way to being as important as the color of yeah. the gem. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it takes it. Um, it only takes like 1% of aluminum to be swapped out wow. for this impurity for the color to change. Dang. That's Isn't crazy. That amazing. Yeah. And so just to revisit, cause I feel like I got a little um, jumbled up. So essentially, when you have your colorless mineral, mm-hmm. there's not rungs of ladders that can that light can be absorbed to go up to. It's either the those gaps are too big or too small. The visible light just doesn't have any just perfect Goldilocks wavelength that'll get it from the 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 electrons from the lung, rung of ladder where they are up to the next rung. Right. But if you put an impurity in there, it opens up new rungs that may not have been there before, especially transition metal impurities. Because if you can remember all the way back to general chemistry, there's different, you know, levels where electrons can hang out. Mm -hmm. And the transition metals have like five extra levels that some of the other ones don't have. Okay. That are open and available for (laughs) electrons to move to. Uh And so it just so happens that they're convenient to absorb light in the visible region with those specific extra rungs. Okay. So you'll usually see them in the transition metals. Those are the metals in the short fat part of the periodic table in the middle there. Okay. So I think of transition metals as like the metals in the middle. Okay. Okay. So yeah, all you have to do is basically open up new shelves. You're building new shelves by throwing some impurities in, which allows light to be absorbed and electrons to be excited and it changes a colorless mineral to a brightly colored, beautiful, what we would consider gemstone. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that is so crazy. And the same thing is true for other gemstones as well. Like diamond is pure carbon, so it's not as much as of salt. Like salts are usually positively charged and negatively charged ions being attracted to each other. It's uh-huh. just all carbons that because of their structure have this really beautiful repeating unit, the way they bound to each other. But if you have some nitrogens in there, it will make the diamond look more and more yellow. Mm. So again, the impurity can change the color, which I think yellow diamonds look pretty cool, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which brings me to a little fun fact that I I have actually about the type of gemstone in my wedding ring. Okay. But before we get to that, do you want to take a stab at summarizing it and teaching it back to me? Yes, I would love to. I think one of the things that's always so challenging for me is... The, and this has happened a bunch of times in our other episodes that have like dipped into things about light. Yeah, color and light are weird. It's just so hard and yeah. so not intuitive. And I think, you know, like sometimes it just happens to be that it's because it's been a long time since we talked about it. Yeah. Maybe if we happen to have a bunch of light episodes in a row, I'd be like, mm-hmm. yep, got it. Good. Mm-hmm. But the like absorbing and reflecting, you know what I mean? Yeah. Throws it off because it all feels like. I don't know. It's just not the way most of us think light works. Yeah, right? light is, it is hard for me too. And sometimes I'll go a period of avoiding episodes because I'm like, is there a good way to explain this? Right. <laughs> but I think that's part of why we have the option for you to explain it back to me because it helps us make sure that it's solidified in our minds and for the listeners too. And the freedom to get it very wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, now's the time. <laughs> now's the time. Yep. In front of we everyone. love mistakes. You got to make mistakes to learn. Yeah. So the... The first element that we talked about was the fact that salts, which this is another thing that for like non-chemist people, we wouldn't really know this definition of salts, but mm-hmm. is, is, would be a combination of elements that, um, they, 
come together and create this crystalline structure because mm-hmm. they complete each other in that way. One is very negative and one is very positive. For most of them. Okay, for most of them. Not always like carbon diamonds aren't but for right. many of them it is they complete each other they give each other the right number of electrons got it give it to the right number of electrons and then they create that repeating pattern the lattice crystalline structure are all salts crystal i not i know not all crystals are salts right yes but are all salts want to be like in a crystal i think they can be i okay. mean i don't think they like we grind down salt and then you can't see the crystalline structure right. of like table salt but have you ever seen there's like a cave with those giant salt crystals uh, in it? I feel like I've shown pictures before, but um, I bet well, we even could- if you get like like it looks crystal esque, even though it doesn't have like a real specific kind of mm-hmm. I don't know whatever. But like even just looking at coarse or coarser salt, yes, it has can, that look. To you it. can tell it's crystal. Yeah, crystally, you know. Um, I I just pulled it up. You can look up giant salt crystal cave and you'll see like the giant oh, crystalline repeating structures. Yeah. So I feel like I'm hesitant to give any kind of ultimatum. Like, yes, every single salt will make a crystalline structure in the right environment. Right. But I think most of them can make that crystalline structure because they have the repeating units. Right. And they want to, if they have the opportunity, they want to line up beautifully, yeah. which is, that's kind of what, what crystals are in, in chemistry, when you think about a crystalline structure, it's like, oh, it has a unit that is highly repeatable. And so it, when it settles down into its solid state, it yeah. lines up those units. And then it's, you know, really orderly on a molecular level. And then to our eyes, that looks really beautiful. Right. It's also stable in that way too, right? Yeah. And, and it's and easy. It's also, right. Oh, sorry. I was going to say it's easy for them to line up. Okay. Got it. In that ordered way, given the right conditions. Yeah. And they want to be together in the first place because they need each other. Mm-hmm. Like they need to complete each other's. The uh, opposing ions. Opposing yeah. ions. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So in the case of a lot of gemstones, there's a number of them that are aluminum oxide. Mm-hmm. Or some combination of aluminum oxide and maybe like. There was like beryllium or whatever, but aluminum oxide is the simplest one. So that okay. was the example I gave. Got it. That's definitely helpful. I love simple. <laughs> and so, but on its own, if you had just pure aluminum oxide, mm-hmm. it doesn't have a color to it. Right. Because all the light that, okay, this is, I'm, I want to get this right. So all the light that hits it, um, it doesn't absorb any of it? Right. Okay. It's not absorbed. The light can just pass through the gemstone. And, yeah. the, you know, it might be, like, reflected in the facets of the gemstone or whatever. But right. it's just, it's not absorbed. Nothing's absorbed. Nothing's absorbed. And and that's where color comes in. Whenever certain, like, uh, wavelengths are absorbed um, and some are reflected or whatever. Right. That's why we see color. In this case, none of them are absorbed. Mm-hmm. So it it looks essentially colorless. Yes. Okay. And that's that's aluminum oxide on its mm-hmm. own, and then, or I guess like diamonds, like you said too. Like yes, diamonds have no. They don't. Yeah. Theoretically, they as long as they're pure. Yeah. Aren't absorbing the light. But if we want color to them, mm-hmm. it's actually impurities and small amounts of other elements mm-hmm. that end up allowing there to be some 
diversity in there that actually lets some light be absorbed. Yes. Because it creates a rung for the wavelength to grab onto, sort of. To be, yeah, to be absorbed. To be absorbed. Really, it's like when light is absorbed, when we do see color, it's because light is absorbed and it's exciting electrons. Right. And so when it first passes through, there's no place for the electrons to go within the visible range. So there's no rungs. No rungs. So they're like, oh, sorry, this light's just going. You're not getting us to the next rung. So whatever. Yeah. We're ignoring you. Yeah. But then when the impurities are in there, they open up some higher shelves or some higher rungs uh-huh. and or different, you know, positions of rungs. And when the light passes through, then the electrons are like, oh, now we can jump up. Yeah. And now then we can absorb the light. Right. So that's that's kind of what's happening. I feel yeah. like we've talked about that same idea in other color episodes yeah. as well. Yeah, like antioxidants. We talked about the color yeah. element of that. It's weird how many different like episodes this comes up mm-hmm. in. And in some of them, it's not even the main deal. It just happens to relate. In other ones, yeah. it is the main and you know, in bleach. Bleach. Yeah. yeah, I remember the antioxidant ones. We even talked about how like in darkness, there's not light. <laughs> right. Well, it's like, it's funny because we think of color as being like the thing is a color. Yeah. But it's sort of like, well, not exactly. Yeah. It's Which like, is like in infrared. Yeah. You don't see the colors. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this before, but but um, I'm regularly fascinated by this, that the cameras we have for our baby monitors. Mm-hmm. At nighttime, they see night vision, which they are using, I believe, infrared to I see think that. So, yeah. Which means that certain things suddenly don't have any color anymore. For instance, the rug on my son's uh, floor, yeah, in his night vision camera, is just a plain rug. There's no <laughs> intricate so pattern, weird. even though there really is in the yeah. in the standard visible region of light. Yeah. In infrared, it's all the same material essentially. Wow. And no difference for infrared like waves yeah. that are hitting it or whatever. Uh, it doesn't make a difference. That's crazy. So suddenly you realize like, oh, light's just the way we see it in the region we yeah. see it in. Light gives things color. Yeah. Without light, there's not color. <laughs> right. And yeah. if some sort of creature could see, which I think there are creatures, mm-hmm. then think everything would look totally different to them. And who's to say who's more right? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I always think about the mantis shrimp. Yes. There, there's an episode of This American Life where they go into the different colors and it's really incredible. The, so... On the gemstones, when the impurities are there, there's more rungs that the electrons can can excite to. Uh-huh. And so the light hits them there to absorb it, get excited, and reflect. Or they absorb some light, which means the light that doesn't get absorbed. Yeah, that's the color we see. That's the color we see. Yes. And depending on which element, which sort of impurity is there, mm-hmm. changes which which wavelength of light is being absorbed, yes. which change which ones we see, yes. puts it back to us. And that's why these gemstones, which have essentially very, very similar makeup with slightly different impurities, yeah. can look like a crazy different color from each other. Yes. And I will say, I think when we think about light being reflected back, it's like a solid, you know, uh-huh, on this uh-huh. solid, the orange is being reflected back to us. Other other colors are being absorbed. Yeah. But I think in gemstones, because they're kind of trans translucent like you can see through them yeah i don't think all of the lights necessarily being reflected back right right but that's one of those things about light that i'm like wait what yeah (laughs) 
So just maybe you can think of it as sunlight is absorbed and what's left over, that's what we can see. Right. Okay. And there is, you can shine a light. Uh, there's a, a instrument that measures the absorbance of different materials. So mm. you can shine a visible light through a material and it'll hit a detector and that detector will tell you what lights have been, like what color has been absorbed and what color has not. Okay. Interesting. And then just because based on the color, you can see yeah. which wavelengths of these have been absorbed and which one of these are still there. Wow. And you can get a spectrum. Nice. Okay. And that brings me to a fun fact about my gemstone on my wedding ring. What's it called? Okay. So this gemstone is Alexandrite. Have you heard of it? Uh, I think probably just from you only. <laughs> okay. Do you, what color would you say that is? Hmm. Uh, it looks to me like a, it's kind of hard to describe. It's like a pale, deep pale blue. Yeah. Is what I would say. And I call it like a bluey green. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see maybe a little bit of like reddish in there? Yes, which made me almost say something about purple mm -hmm. because of that. But like the blue, at least in the light right now, seems yeah. more like the easier thing to go with. It doesn't look like so purpley that you'd say, oh, purple, definitely. What you happens know? if you see it under this light? Does that change anything for you? It looks more purpley under that light to me. Okay. And now I'm going to show you a picture on my phone and we'll post these on our social medias as well. So um, there's something special about this gemstone and I tried to capture it in pictures for you um, so that you could really see the difference. This is my ring under um, like a lamp. Okay, okay. What color does that look? Like a violet. Bright, clear violet, yeah. right? Like yeah. no question about the color. Yeah, 100%. And then this is just moments later outside. Okay. And it looks totally different, yes, right? Yes, it does. Totally different. Okay. So this is, um, this plays on two different things about light. Okay. So one is the Alexandrite absorbs. So it absorbs yellows and like deep blues. So what's mostly left is red and bluish green. Okay. So that's what Alexandrite's color is mostly made up of which is I think part of why it was hard for you to describe because yeah. there's like a bluish green, which does make it look like a pale blue. Yeah. Plus a little bit of red in it. Yeah. Okay. So here's now put that on a shelf. Mm -hmm. You as a camera person, as a filmmaker, I'm sure know that there's different qualities to different lights. Correct. And even the lights technically have a different color to them, even if they don't yes. appear that way to us. They might have a larger amount of red light or a lower amount of red light. Right. Well, incandescent light, which is usually the light that comes from candles or from flame, uh -huh. has a higher warmth to it, which means it has more red. Right. So right. if you take the blue and green that you see my light, or the blue, green, and the red in uh -huh. the Alexandrite, and you turn up the red, mm -hmm. then it might look more purple. Ah, right. But in naturally occurring light, actually there's less red compared to the blue green. Yeah. So that fades a little into the background. Yeah. And then it looks more blue green with There's like a hint of red that you can sort of see, but it's hard to identify it. Yeah. Yeah. And so Alexandrite is known for being able to literally change colors in different light. That's cool. That's awesome.
because of the way it absorbs and what's left behind, you know, blue and red make purple. Yeah. So it can look very purple in high warm toned light and it can look very blue green in low warm tone light with more cool colors in there. Dang. And I even there's I don't know if I'll be able to post this video, but I even made a video where it started out in the lamplight and uh-huh. then I went and put it under the light oh, in the kitchen and then I went outside and you could see the more blue green outside and yeah. so you can sort of see it change in different tones. That's awesome. So I picked this because of the chemistry in the gemstone, letting it be multiple colors. Wow. Funnily enough, because light's one I don't like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's cool. Yeah, so it plays on both the idea that there's there can be different amounts of different colors and the idea that it has different absorbance. And part of what I liked about the compound chem that, we, that I talked about that resource is they actually have an infographic specifically on Alexandrite. And I really want to encourage you to go look at the website because I'm showing it to Jam right now, but you can see oh, here's yeah. where it absorbs and what's left. Yeah. And in the natural light, there's a much higher level of the light blue to green uh-huh. and lower of the reds. But then in the in the indoor light and in like a light bulb, it can be less of blue green and more red. Totally. And the more valuable. And I think they just probably maybe have a higher level of impurities of Alexandrite. They can change really noticeably. Wow. But then others are a little bit more subtle. I would say mine's probably on the more subtle, but I, I can notice it, especially when I'm oh, totally. driving around outside yeah. <laughs> in yeah. different environments. It's like, Oh, my light, my ring looks really this color in this light. Today. Yeah. I think that's cool. So that's a little bit about my, a personal thing about my, um, my gemstone and I, it is lab created, which again, I'm fine with. And it was not very expensive at all Nice because of that. So nice. I'm in favor of lab created gemstones. And you can achieve the same effect if you want to. Like it's not like purity means no colors anymore. You know, right, it's yeah. like, it would be a bummer if it was like, we, we created in the lab and now we figured out that none of them have any colors because <laughs> the import impurities is what made them have color. Yeah. It's yeah. chemically, they're the same. So, and a lot of them are more ethical. So that's why I tend to go with those. That's cool. Yeah. hundred percent. And it doesn't, your wife have a slightly pink or peachish. Yeah. Hers is, I believe it's called Morganite. Morganite. I don't know. I don't know much about it. I just know mm. that she liked it. And so I was like, that's not I on will, my list here. I'll listen to what you <laughs> want. Um, I'm looking up the chemical structure of morganite real quick. Uh, it looks like it's bari- bari- beryllium aluminum silicate, which is similar. To, there's beryllium also in alexandrite. Oh. Um, beryllium aluminum silicate, and it has, I'm going to see if I can see what impurities are in there. It's hard to look it up because it, it, it'll it give you the base structure. And I'm like, yeah, but I know right. that the impurities are what makes it pretty. Okay, yeah. it looks like I can't find it, but maybe I'll be able to. Yeah. yeah. It has so, like a slight pinkishness to it, but yeah. not super over. It's like a pale pink. Yeah. You know? Um, kind of like so. the yellow diamonds. I feel like they're kind of pale like that yeah. too. Yeah. So that's the chemistry of gemstones. I think it's a really fun one. I'd been thinking about it for a while, so I'm glad it finally got to come to fruition. Yeah. And that I got to tell you about my fun wedding ring. That's awesome. Very cool. It's way more interesting than I expected. I mean, of course, just getting right out of the gate thinking gemstones. I'm like, okay, I'm not that interested in those. Yeah. I already bought the one I needed to buy. Yeah. Well, it's not that into jewelry, so I haven't had to worry about gemstones in a while. <laughs> yeah. So I was thinking like, man, this is going to be interesting, but it's way more interesting than I thought. And color, 
despite being hard to understand, is fascinating. So yeah. I'm always here for it. And color, I feel like, plays a lot into your expertise of film, but also just our everyday life. And I love the idea that the impurities are what make gemstones beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I think that That's cool. is a really beautiful sort of underlying story to this chemistry lesson. Yeah. So, yeah. Very cool. I love it. Awesome. Well, that was fun. Thanks, Bree, for um, giving us that suggestion. Uh, but thinking, speaking of fun things, fun like my wedding ring, fun like this topic, is there <laughs> any fun thing that you have, have had recently? Yes, actually, yeah. So a friend of ours that um, Lisa and I have both known for a while, um, or I guess both of them, but more so our friend Josh, who've known longer, but him and his wife moved from our area mm-hmm. to Oregon, to the Portland area. Because about he's a chemist. He's a chemist. About a, a little less than a year ago, they moved there. And they were in town this past week. And so it took a lot of discussions and negotiations. But we finally found <laughs> a common time for both him and his wife, Autumn, and Em and I and the kids to be able to hang out for like just, oh. it only really worked for like an hour and a half. They had to go somewhere else. So we had to get back. But we had an hour and a half of just time to catch up. I love that. Which was awesome. And we just missed getting to see them more frequently. Uh, but they're doing great up there. And they, so it's really fun to get to hang out and catch up. They hadn't seen the kids in a while other than just videos and stuff. And uh, they hadn't met our younger kid either. I was so. just thinking they hadn't seen the kids, but I think last yeah. time it was just a kid. Yeah, just kid. Exactly. <laughs> but they also, extra bonus points, gave me a bag of coffee Aww. from my favorite coffee shop. I tried a bunch and there's so many good oh, ones. So it's hard fun. to pick my favorite coffee shop in Portland that whenever I, and then I went there in like 2018 or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so they brought me a bag of coffee from there, which is so sweet and I love it. And it's also the coffee shop that is featured in, um, comedians and cars getting coffee oh. when Jerry Seinfeld interviews Fred Armisen. Oh, that's a, I bet that's a fun episode. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> Checks so many boxes for me. And so visiting that shop was super cool because it was on there, uh, but also their coffee was amazing. So anyway, a lot of fun things all packed into one that sort is of a fun, thing. fun interaction. So Did yeah. I tell you that my brother also went up to the Seattle area? I mean, I guess Seattle's different than Portland, but yeah. went up to that region of the country uh-huh. and brought us back some coffee as well. I don't think so. So Mason's more the coffee person in our house, but he brought us back Coffee, and he got me a Seattle Kraken shirt because that's the new hockey team that just oh, came into existence. Cool. Nice. It's a really soft, cute shirt. Nice. Um, but we watched our nephew, and that actually kind of transitions into what's going on in my life uh-huh. lately. Is it's been chaotic. Right. <laughs> I think I mentioned I've been traveling a lot. I I literally was out of town or had a large event every weekend in February and March. Yeah. And this next weekend's the last weekend in March. That gives you a date of when this was actually recorded. <laughs> and that weekend I'm going out of town for a conference. And then after that in April, my life should calm down significantly. <laughs> I think I only have one trip in April nice. instead of one every weekend. Nice. And they haven't all been work trips. A lot of them have been personal trips too, but you know, it's just lots of people having babies, lots of baby showers, lots of weddings, lots of events. Yeah. Plus going out of town and stuff, you know, so I'm really excited for April to be a calm season of life. Yep. But it has been really fun, like all the things that I've gotten to do and be involved in lately. So, yeah, 
it's just nice whenever the cool fun involved in things can be sort of spread out. Yeah. Instead of a concentrated yeah. chaotic dose. It kind of is weird. Like I know so many people whose babies are due in April and May this year to the point where it's like, oh, of course there are lots of baby showers happening because <laughs> yeah. so many babies are due. I like can't even keep track of yeah. which ones. I'm like, wait, do you know the gender? And um, when are you due? I know it's sometime this summer because everyone I know is due this summer. Yeah. <laughs> there's lots of that happening. So yeah, I, there's been times where, uh, and it only works if everyone knows each other, where like mm-hmm. they I've heard of in different kind of parts of our friend group and kind of network that we know of. Yeah. They just had to combine several. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, there's these five gals that all know <laughs> each other well and they're all due within like the same like two or three months. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Let's just do a combined one and then that way everyone can come. Because like yeah. if you have a bunch of separate ones, you're going to have a situation where someone can't come to yeah. all of them. Just gonna you happen. just have a table for each person. You just drop a gift, drop a gift, drop yep. a gift. <laughs> everybody gets to see everybody and then you get to see each other. You know, if you're one of the people who's going to have a baby, then you get to hang out with your other yeah. friends who are having babies too. So anyway, I think it's a good idea when that happens. But sometimes... It's people yeah. you know from different circles. So it's yeah. like, there's no way. No you way. You can't have it. Yeah, Mason um, went to work and he's been, I make baked goods for almost every baby shower. And so he's been bringing the extra baked goods up to work, uh-huh. you know? And so he just said, oh yeah, we're there's another baby shower. And he's got an older guy who's like close to retirement who works near him. And that guy was like, you know, baby showers are contagious. <laughs> and Mason <laughs> was like, oh, we know. The number that we've been to. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But they're all really fun and sweet and special. And I love little kids. So I think, you know, I'm really happy that I've been able to be a part of it. But I'm also looking forward to a calm season of life yep. coming up. So Nice. Very cool. Yeah. So that's what's going on with me. That's great. So thanks, Jam, for, um, you know, for coming and learning about gemstones and being excited about my cool wedding ring. Anytime. Um, thanks Brie for getting married and giving us a suggestion for this episode. I've been wanting to do it for a while and thanks to all of you listeners and watchers who make it possible for us to do chemistry for your life. I mean, really our Patreon supporters are the reason why we can continue to make sure this podcast happens. So we really could not do it without y'all. Yeah. A hundred percent. And Melissa and I have a lot of our own ideas for topics of chemistry in everyday life. But like we said, you know, Bree suggested this one. And some of the best ideas we have um, for episodes that turn out really well are come from you guys. So if you have a question or idea, you can reach out to us on our website at chemforyourlife.com. That's chem, F-O-R, yourlife.com to share your thoughts and ideas. If you'd like to help us keep our show going and contribute to cover the costs of making it, go to patreon.com slash chemforyourlife or tap the link in our show notes to join our super cool community of patrons. If you're not able to do that, you can still help us by subscribing to your favorite podcast app on YouTube and rating and writing a review on Apple Podcasts or just liking videos on YouTube. That also really helps us to share chemistry with even more people. This episode of Chemistry for Your Life was created by Melissa Collini and Jam Robinson. And Jam Robinson is our producer. This episode was made possible by our financial supporters over on Patreon. It seriously means so much to us that you want to help us make chemistry accessible for more people and that you're helping us keep the show going. Those supporters are Avishai B, Bree M, Brian K, Chris and Claire S, Chelsea B, Derek L, Emerson W, Hunter R, Jacob T, Christina G, Lynn S, Melissa P, Nicole C, Stephen B, Shadow, Suzanne S, Timothy P, and Venus R. Thank you again for everything you all do to make chemistry for your life happen.
And if you'd like to learn more about today's chemistry lesson, you can check out the references for this episode in our show notes or in the video description. Yay, chemistry! Thank you.